Welcome back to another episode of the Days Gone By podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 3, and I'm your host, Matt McBrayer. Today we are finishing up Part 2 of Can a Child of God Fall Away? Brother Gary Cawley did such a great job, and we're thankful for all the work that he did in his lifetime. Without further ado, let's listen to another lesson from Days Gone By. We need to be sure we do that, because when we don't do it, we are endangering our eternal welfare. We appreciate the presence of all who are here, and we have had a wonderful Lord's Day. been a little warm. A little rain came, so that helped us out. But we're glad to be back tonight for this worship service. Hebrews, the, the fourth chapter, and verse 1 says, Let us fear, lest happily a promise being left unto us of entering into his rest, any one of us should seem to come short of it. For he says, The gospel, the good tidings, was preached unto us, even as also unto them, but the word of hearing was not profited to them, because it was not it was not unified by faith in them that heard. So it is profitable only if it is heard and put into work. And if we don't fear, lest happily we lose that promise and that blessing, then of course we will not have that rest that is spoken of in the latter verses here. Let us therefore give diligence, verse 11 says, to enter into that rest, that no man fall after the same example of disobedience. Now this suggests without any doubt that the Hebrew brethren were about to fall and that they could fall and that they needed to be warned against falling. And yet there are many in the world tonight who are teaching that a child of God cannot fall from grace and that once he's in grace, he's always in grace. No way can he live wrong and lose the blessings that have been promised to the faithful. That would be strange, wouldn't it? Wouldn't God be uneven on things, unjust? If he blessed those who were not righteous, he, ha he cannot do that. He is, sin is not going to approach him. Sin is not going to be in his presence. And it would be something that if he rewarded the evil as well as the good, but that's not going to happen. But at any rate, there are those who teach, as Calvinism does, the theory of predestination. That once you're saved, you're always saved, can't be lost. And if you're lost, you can't be saved. There's no choice on your part. And yet throughout the Bible, we see that choice given. And there are those who believe in eternal security. In other words, cannot fall. Then there are those who believe in no security, as we pointed out this morning. And then there are those who believe the assurance and the security of the faithful. It's important to us, isn't it? because it deals with our thinking. It deals with our reaction to things. And if we think we cannot fall, then we're wide open to sin, aren't we? And why would you preach if nobody can fall? Why would you exhort people to live for Jesus if nobody could fail to live for Jesus? Seems foolish, doesn't it? And it is. And we have seen the text which they choose to follow sometime with these errors. And all of them have been found not to teach what they say they teach. They have removed them out of context. So in order to refute error, we want to speak on this today. And second of all, to warn God's children to be faithful, to admonish us to faithfulness, to live for him who died for us. So important. And we cannot possibly have eternal life without it. Now there are those who contend we have eternal life right now. And that goes along with this predestination. If you're once saved, then you have eternal life already. The king doctrine that is going around the country some today and has been for a few years 
teaches that man is already in heaven, that this is heaven. We're there now. We have eternal life. Well, I can assure you, friend, I want heaven to be more than this. I certainly do not believe that we're in heaven now. And I do not believe that they can teach that in accordance with what the word of God says. We do have a hundredfold now of blessings, Mark 10, 29, and 30, as we learned this morning. And in the end, he said, eternal life. We're not there to the end yet. We haven't come to the end. We're still in life. And we're not coming to the end of the world, the end of time. But it is in hope that we have it, Titus 1, 2. We each have hope of eternal life. We have expectation with desire. And, of course, we could lose that hope. But 1 John 5, 11, and 12 also teaches that life is in the Son and that we have it in promise of eternal life. This is the promise which he promised us, even life eternal, 1 John 2, 25. So we have eternal life in two senses, in hope and also in, in promise. But... It won't be in realization till the close of days, until the earth is burned up with a fervent heat, and then the realization of heaven shall be there. Talking about the wicked in Matthew 25, 46, Jesus said, These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto everlasting life. And Jesus promised in John 14, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I shall return again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye may know the way. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How know we the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So when we read the Bible, it speaks of those who have eternal life in promise, in hope, but not in reality until the days of our life here on this earth are gone. Now we considered the verses this morning that are used as proof text to try to prove that once we're saved, we're always saved. And as I said, we found them to be out of harmony with the word of God. But what proof can we find that those who apostatize will be lost and will not have eternal life? There are many scriptures that prove that we can apostatize. In fact, as I marked with you this morning, Brother Guy in Woods says they have been counted 2,500 different passages that warn in the Bible against falling from grace. First of all, I would introduce to you John 15, 1 through 6. And we would draw that conclusion that men can fall from the vine and the branches. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh it away. And every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And he said, Already you clean, because of the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Neither can you except you abide in me. And he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same shall bring forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. He said, Now, if a man abide not in me, in other words, he doesn't continue connected to the vine. He doesn't continue to walk in Christ and to live in him. What's going to be the difficulty? He said he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Does that suggest to you eternal destruction? It certainly should because that's the context here. Now, if you have a vine here and one branch is torn apart. Well, I fixed this 
One branch is torn off. That branch is laid over here to the side. You know what's going to happen to it. It's going to die because it's no longer connected to the vine. This is the vine through which we receive our life. And if we are not connected to that vine, if we don't abide in that vine, our life is removed. And so because of that, he said, those who do not bear fruit, the fruitless branches, they are destroyed. He said they shall be gathered up and cast into the fire and they shall be burned. Now that doesn't suggest at all that you can't fall from grace. In fact, it shows proof that we can apostatize. Also, we might notice from the fact that those who live after the flesh shall die. You know that death is separation. It is that which separates physically from the soul and therefore the body is dead. But you also realize spiritually that man can be separated by sin from God. And as we noticed this morning, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, he said, your sins have separated between you and your God. Your iniquities have hidden his face so that he will not hear. Romans 8, 1 and 2, he said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In other words, they don't live a worldly life. They live a spiritual life. They live in harmony with the spirit's teaching. And so he said, these are they who shall be blessed, and there's no condemnation to them. In verses 12 and 13 here, he also states, Therefore, brethren, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so, if we do not mortify the deeds of the body, are we going to live? No, if we're going to live a worldly life, we'll be all right. No, you won't be all right. No, the fact of the matter is, you're going to be separated from God. And so Romans 8 teaches us to keep ourselves in the love of God. And then, of course, the power of support is there. Well, we all also would appeal to 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 12, where Paul writes concerning Israel. He said, moreover, brethren, I should not that you should be ignorant, how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat of the same spiritual meat, and all did drink of the same spiritual drink, and they drank of that same rock, that said, uh, that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things are for our examples, to the intent that now that we not lust after evil things as they also lusted, Neither be idolaters, as they, some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink, and they rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them, by examples, or for our examples, they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Well, wait a minute. Can you fall? Well, of course you can, because this is the warning about it, isn't it? Let a man that thinketh he standeth, like these Israelites thought they stood. But you know, presumption is the greatest of all dangers. When you presume that you can't fall, is when you're in the greatest danger. Now, that warning wouldn't be there if you couldn't fall. 
It's certainly a proof that a man can fall. In fact, he says, let a man that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Israel did fall. And this ought to be a beacon light for Christians to walk by. It's our example. We need to know these things will not pass muster with God. So we might also appeal to the fact that some did fall. Widows fell. You remember 1 Timothy 5, verse 14 and 15. <clears throat> he said, I desire that the younger widows marry, bow children, rule the household, give no occasion to the adversary for reviling. For, now watch it, already some have turned aside after Satan. What? You mean these widows had turned aside into the wrong way? Yes. Could they fall from grace? They did. He said some of them are already turned. That is by complying with the temptations of idleness and gossip and following in, falling into evil. Now if they couldn't fall, this warning wouldn't have been there. In fact, it is pronounced that they did fall. Demas also, you recall, Paul called him uh, my fellow servant in Philemon 24 and Colossians 4.14. Paul's in prison at Rome, but he had this to say in the last letter he wrote to Timothy, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and went into Thessalonica, Christians into Galatia, Titus into Dalmatia. Well, did he fall? Certainly he did. Demas fell. Why? Because he loved the present world. You know, it is said also in 1 Timothy 4, 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving ye to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath prepared to be received with thanksgiving in them that believe and know the truth. Well, here are four things that we can draw the facts from that men can fall from grace, that they can apostatize. But let's go further. Fifth of all, we can draw it from the thought concerning the case of Paul. He was very vigilant. He was thoroughly converted. And he left more perhaps than any man has ever left except the Lord himself in order that he might come and serve the Lord and preach the gospel. And of course, he left that he, 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 he didn't want to be rejected. First Corinthians 9, 27. He said, brethren, I, I, I buffet my body daily. Lest after I have preached unto others, I myself should be a castaway. Why, Paul, what are you talking about? Don't you know that men can't apostatize? Don't you know that men can't fall from grace? Oh, he said they can too. In fact, I can. As great as work as I have done, still I must be very careful that I do not apostatize. In Philippians 3, verse 8 through 14, Yea, doubtless, he said, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of mine own, neither that which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable, conformable unto his death, if by any means that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained or am already made perfect, but I follow after uh, that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended in Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have yet laid hold, 
But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I stretch forward to those things which are before, I press on toward the mark under the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He was not content with his present state. He realized he had to keep on pressing because the goal was at the end of the journey and the prize was at the end of life. And so he said, I press on, I stretch forward that I may win Christ and be found in him. Well, it's also sixth of all drawn from other passages, such as Hebrews 6, where we read in verse 4 through 6, for it's touching those who were once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then fell away. Then fell away. It is impossible to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified them to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Can you re-crucify Christ? Oh, yeah. How can you crucify him again? By not living for him, by falling away. Now, there are two terms used in the Navy. One is man is fallen. Another is man is fallen away. And when a man is overboard, he has fallen overboard, and everybody goes and tries to bring him back in. But if he has fallen away, he's beyond reach. And that's what he says here of these people. Then fell away. It's impossible to him. He said, there's no way we can do it now. He fell away. He fell all the way away. Wasn't any way that we could reach him. Because everything that appealed to him, he's already rejected. He tasted the good word of God. He knew about the heavenly gift. He knew about the powers of the age to come. And yet he fell away. Well, can a man fall away? No, these did. In Galatians 5, 4, he said, You're servant from Christ. Whosoever you are that are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Oh, but the doctrine says you can't fall from grace. What a shame. They are in opposite competitiveness with the word of God. Which will you accept, my friend? You are the ones who make that decision. You are the ones who should be convinced by the truth that thoroughly furnishes us under every good work. In Second Peter 2, verse 14 and 15, he said, They have eyes full of adultery who cannot cease from sin. Who in the world is he talking about? Well, he calls them cursed children which have forsaken the right way. Oh, they're children? Yes, they're children in the family of God. But they have turned into the world. And they have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. And he says they have forsaken the right way. If you've never been in the right way, then you couldn't forsake it. But if you've been in the right way and then you turn, you could forsake it, couldn't you? Well, of course you could. A bachelor can't forsake his family. He doesn't have a family. And one who has turned from the right way is one who is lost because he is a cursed child. In Second Timothy or Second Peter four two verse twenty twenty one, he said, "If after they have escaped the defilements of the world, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter ends worse with them than the beginning. It would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness." Then after having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered unto them, and it's happened unto them according to the true proverb, a dog that was, was freed from his sickness returns to his own vomit, a sow that was washed or wallowing in the mire. You know, such a repulsive course upon the part of man 
can only be compared with the most disgusting habits of animals. Can a man fall? Yes. Can he apostatize? Absolutely he can. And the latter end is worse than the first? Yes. And so, my friends, don't be fooled by these false doctrines. In James 5, 19 and 20, we make another thought there drawn from this passage. My brethren, please note who he's addressing here. My brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he who converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall cover a multitude of sin. Wait a minute, I thought you couldn't apostatize. Oh, yes, you can. In fact, here's a brother who has, and you need to turn him back before it's too late. You need to turn him back while there's opportunity. Convert that sinner. Oh, I thought he was a brother. He is a brother, but he's turned into a sinner. Convert him from the air of his way. Why? That you can save a soul from death, separation from God, and shall cover a multitude of sin. Well, these passages that we have noted this night are written for our learning, for our admonition, and therefore our example. And the scriptures teach that the righteous shall scarcely be saved. You remember 1 Peter 4, 16 through 18, where he said, Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this name. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it began first at us, what shall be the end of them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, you know what the end is. They've apostatized. They've turned from the Lord. And if the righteous be scarcely saved, where will the sinner and the ungodly appear? You know where they'll appear. They can't go to heaven. And they're like Judas. They'll go to their own place. And there is but one other place beside heaven, and that's hell. And what a sad thing to see these turned away. In Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, and we've noticed several times in Jesus' last sermon, very scathing, very rebuking. There are ten virgins. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto ten virgins. Five of these were foolish, five were wise. For the foolish took no oil with their lamps, the wise took extra oil with them. Those were the righteous acts of the saints. And some were not living righteously. Some were not doing, as we sang this evening, each day I'll do a golden deed. They're not doing golden deeds every day. They're living rather in the devil's kingdom. But when the bridegroom came, the cry went out, Behold the bridegroom, come ye forth to meet him. And those that were ready went in. But those who were having to prepare then, it was too late. The door was shut. Could they fall from grace? Oh, they did. They did because they were foolish virgins. They were foolish in that they didn't do what the Lord said. You know, Ephesians 5 says, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And be not foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We must live godly lives if we want to go to heaven. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, Now the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Are you, my friends, one who's living a godly life? You know, it says, Be thou faithful unto death, Revelation 2.10. I'll give thee the crown of life. Is it well with your soul? In Romans 11, I think there is a very appealing verse there that we need to see in verse 21-22. He said, If God spared not the natural branches, that was the Jews, if he spared them not, why? Because they departed from him. 
because they apostatized. He said, then you take heed, lest he also not spare thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God to them that fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If, get that big word, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. Does God have to save us? No. It's not anything but his grace and his mercy that would save us. But these Jews thought God could not condemn them, and yet he did. And Paul reaffirms that. He says, now that's exactly what happened to them, and it could happen to you Gentiles if you do not continue in the faith. Behold the goodness, but also behold the severity. Many people never see anything but the love of God. They never see anything but the goodness of God. But this verse says there's goodness and severity. Goodness to those who do his will. Severity to those who refuse and reject his will. Can we apostatize? Oh, yes. Is it possible for us to fall from the grace of God after we have once had it and enjoyed it? Yes. But we don't have to do that. We can live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. And we can so live now that the blessings of eternal life will be ours. It's all there. And it's going to be for the faithful. So let us all make up our minds that we're going to so live as to go to heaven at last. If you're in this audience and not a Christian, you need to hear his word and believe it. You need to believe it over all the doctrines of men. You need to repent of the sins of your life and confess his name before men with your mouth. Be buried then with your Lord in the waters of baptism to wash away your sins. That's the plan. That's the only plan. And then live in him as you're raised to walk in newness of life. But if you fail to do that, come home tonight before it's too late. We don't want anyone to be lost, but, it, but it's certainly possible. And we need to be warned and we need to take heed lest it happen to us. If you're subject to the invitation, come now. While together we stand and while we sing. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Days Gone By podcast on the Scattered Broad Network, brought to you by Ironworks. You can learn more about us at scatteredabroad.org and coming soon to ironworkspress.org or look up either work on Facebook. We look forward to studying with you again soon.